the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Welcome to Wine Women Radio, where we discuss what we're drinking and what's happening in the wine industry. Pour yourself a glass and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. It's Wine Women Radio Hour. I'm Marcia Maycumber here with Misty Rodebush Kane. Good afternoon, Misty. How are you? Good afternoon, Marcia. Thanks. Uh, great to see you today and talk to you. And I'm excited about our tasting today. I am too. Um, it's uh, a gorgeous day in the fall out here in wine country. Uh, these are the kinds of days that we live for, and it's why we live here because it's so beautiful, and we really, we really appreciate it because we know how difficult some days can be out here. So we're very grateful for the perfect days that we get. Uh, Lisa Adams Walter is on assignment today and couldn't be with us. And so the very brave Marlo Bruce agreed to step in at the last moment and join us for the conversation and guest co-host with us. Hey Marlo, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you guys for asking me. This is super exciting and um, it's great to meet Sierra and learn a little bit more about Oak Farm Vineyards and um, Happy to dive into these two wines. Fantastic. Good stuff. So great. I'm glad that you could be with us. Uh, Marlo, I suppose since you're the first guest here uh, as a co-host, a little different, um, tell us a little about uh, what you do, where you are, and uh, maybe what you're working on a little bit. Yeah, that's great. So I am in, um, I'm with Jackson Family Wines. I'm the PR director for Kendall Jackson, La Crema, Murphy Good, a lot of their larger production brands. Um, and I've been with the company for about three years. Um, prior to that, I was with Francis Ford Coppola Winery, running PR for his wineries. Um, so about 15 years in the wine business. Um, and I've seen lots of, lots of different campaigns come and go and lots of exciting stuff. So um, yeah, working on Kendall Jackson is a really fun different brand to work on. It's the number one Chardonnay in America and it has been for 27 or 28 years. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's just fun working with that team and our winemakers just finished his 28th harvest. Um, so yeah, things tend to center around that. Excellent. Good. Well, I'm glad it's going well. And Misty, I take it at St. Supery, things are, are busy and, and you've been doing a lot of uh, virtual tastings as has your staff. Yeah, we've been really busy and we were so delighted to hear um, yesterday that the Napa County is allowing us to reopen for indoor tastings. So, um, safe, safely, of course, following COVID protocols um, with pre-poured tastings, we will be um, allowing our visitors indoors. So we're really excited about that next step of reopening. That's and fantastic. yes, we've been really busy with the virtual tastings and trying to um, determine what next year's planning is going to look like and, you know, how we're going to continue those virtual tastings and in what format. So it's been busy, but fun. Good. I'm very glad to hear that. Um, we have a very exciting guest with us today. She's taken some time out of her very busy fall harvest schedule because there is no time at which winemakers are busier in this industry than when they are trying to manage all their ferments going on um, in tank, in barrel, uh, and maybe still coming in on the crush pad for all we know. 
Well, today we welcome to the show Sierra Zeiter from Oak Farm Vineyards in Lodi, California, which is pretty much due east of where we all here are in uh, Napa and Sonoma. And uh, depending upon where you are in Lodi, it could be a hair south, but it, it's off going over to the Delta. So welcome to Wine Women Radio Hour, Sierra. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Thank you so much for, for being here and for sending us a few samples because yes. we'll talk with winemakers or winery owners from Lodi very often. But when I received your package of samples and looked at things, I went, you know, some of this sounds familiar. It's a very historic region. They've been growing wine there for well over a hundred years. There's a huge amount of history and they grow a lot of my favorite varieties. So that makes it always really attractive to me. Um, I suppose we should start at the beginning, which might be uh, Oak Farm Vineyards. Tell us a little bit about the history of it and uh, and then how did you come to join Oak Farm? Yeah, yeah. So um, Oak Farm Vineyards was actually founded in 2004 um, and it is a historic site here in Lodi. Um, actually in 18... So I guess Oak Farm changed it. Dan and Heather Pinella, the owners, changed it to Oak Farm Vineyards in 2004. But um, the site was found in 1870 when William DeVries came over from New Hampshire and he came over for the gold rush and ended up building a historical white house and mm -hmm. then also a, a barn that was built in the 1870s that actually is not restored at all currently and we have weddings there now. Mm -hmm. um, so William DeVries lived there. He was a cattle farmer and a butcher. So the entire land was all cattle. Um, and then the Pinella family, which is a very big trucking company in Lodi, mm -hmm. um, came and bought the property from a different family in 2004. And Dan Pinella, who's in the middle picture right there, he is the owner, mm -hmm. co-owner with his parents. And he founded it in 2004 and he was just going to farm the land and farm the grapes. There was about 70 acres of grapes and it was all old vines in. And he decided, why am I farming this when, you know, we might be able to make a little wine. And if you can make wine at the, this specific historic site, then you're allowed to have weddings and guests come to visit the site. Um, if not, then you can't have weddings. You need to either be a mm -hmm. restaurant or a winery. So he started Oak Farm Vineyards with a consulting winemaker named Chad Joseph, who I will talk about a little later, but he is like my mentor. When I came here, he helped me with so much and kind of got me on the right track to be able to be the winemaker here at Oak Farm. Um, and the beautiful building here that we have, it's a wood building with fountains, big tasting room, amazing production facility, was built in 2010. So when Dan and Chad started this winery, they were making, you know, 400 cases. Next year, they were making 700. Kind of kept growing and realized, you know what, we are not that far from downtown Lodi. We 
are attracting people. It's a beautiful site. Um, I think this is going to be something great. And um, now to this day, it's 2020, and we make about 25,000 cases. Um, wow. 28. Yeah. And um, so we've grown immensely over the past couple of years. Um, and it's just an amazing winery. If anyone's in the area and wants to come visit and just walk around the property, we do historical tours where you can see the house, see the barn, um, and see just the property, the winemaking facility. Um, and kind of the philosophy here, and I can talk about my background too, but the philosophy here at Oak Farm and why I chose to work here is we want to make these wines true to the variety. And so I want you guys to taste these wines and taste the terroir in them. So we want you to be able to taste the earthiness in Zins and not have them over oaked or over jammy and taste the purazines, the green characteristics in these Bordeaux varieties. Um, and when I kind of heard that and tasted these wines, I was like, this is where I want to work. Um, also, we work with, we're in Lodi where we don't really have regulations on what we're growing. And so we have, um, I had mentioned it was, it's like 60 acres of grapes. Well, we have 14 different varieties. We have a Fiano, which is an Italian variety, which I'd never worked with. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever had a Fiano. Um, and then we have Albarino, we have Barbera, Sangiovese, five of the Bordeaux varieties. So for me, it's fun. I get to experiment with these varieties and every fermentation is different. Every um, grape we bring in is different. It's not 10 lots of Pinot or 10 lots of Cab. Um, so that's kind of a cool thing here in Lodi that we can experiment with a lot of varieties. Um, but it's, that's kind of why I chose Oak Farm and why I think Oak Farm is a great place to work in Lodi in general. And Sierra, mm -hmm. so the Pinella family, they have such a rich history in, in Lodi. Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about Sierra and where you hail from and yes. um, how you made it to Lodi. Yeah, so um, I made it to Lodi because I was born and raised here, actually. Um, <laughs> oh, perfect. And, uh, so born and raised in Lodi. Didn't Growing up, I didn't even know Lodi had wineries, had grapes, really. I didn't come from an ag family. Uh, my dad was a doctor and or is a doctor, and my mom is an artist and um, a, a cook. And I just kind of fell into winemaking. I was 14 and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I was kind of getting pressure. All my siblings, I have three older siblings, they all knew what they wanted to do and had a path. And, and I know I was young at 14, but um, I enjoyed company and seeing people sit around a table and drink a glass of wine together and have a meal with it. And I love to cook and I loved science. And so kind of blending all of that together, I, I randomly woke up one day and was like, mom, I think I want to make wine. And my parents laughed at me. They were like, do you even know what wine tastes like? Like, why do you want to make wine? And I was like, I don't know. I just, I think that blending flavors to create something is so cool and getting to make a product and see people drink it and enjoy it and have a smile on their face is what I wanted to do. And 
Um, so I got like a small internship. I was, I think I was 16 at a winery in, and it was kind of just shadowing the winemaker. My parents were like, you know, if you want to go to college for winemaking, you got to make sure you like it. Um, and so I shadowed someone and the first thing they told me to do is like, let's clean this press, go inside the press, clean it. Um, I did some bricks and temps with him and kind of just saw what winemaking was all about and fell in love. Uh, so I applied to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, which is um, right uh, north of Santa Barbara and went there for enology. And it was a great school, very hands-on. Uh, my first class was go to the vineyard and let's prune these vines. Um, and so I did that. And then along the way, I did four other internships on my off season. So I would take fall off of Cal Poly to be able to work a harvest and then uh, go to school the rest of the year. So I worked at, um, it's a state crush. It's a winery in Lodi. And then I worked at Dow Vineyards and Winery in Paso Robles and J-Lore, uh, which is a bigger winery in Paso Robles. Um, and kind of got to see the difference between small wineries versus big wineries and kind of put my, get my hands dirty and see what winemaking was all about. And every internship was different in its own way, but I loved being there. I didn't mind the 14 hour days, 16 hour days, because it was something that I enjoyed. Um, and then I actually got the opportunity to go to New Zealand as well. So I did an internship at Kim Crawford in Marlboro, New Zealand. Um, and so I graduated college and I didn't know, I kind of had a couple job offers in Paso and Oak Farm had reached out because of a mutual coworker that I, ha I knew and worked at a different winery with. And I didn't know if I wanted to go back to Lodi. I was thinking Napa or Sonoma or continue to travel and do harvest around the world. And I visit, I stepped one foot on Oak Farm's property and was like, this is where I want to work. This is, it's beautiful. I'm close to my family and just like the opportunities that they've given me has been amazing. Sarah, I was reading um, some information about you and um, congratulations on your recent promotion to head winemaker. Thank you. Thank you. February. Yeah, that's very exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I started out as an intern in 2017 here at Oak Farm once I graduated and then uh, became assistant winemaker in 2018 and was assistant for two years before. And that was um, right under Chad Joseph, my consulting winemaker. And he taught me everything I needed to know, you know, um, the right ways to just like minor little things, the right ways to blend or do trials so, and just like sanitation nece necessities. Um, and he still comes in every Monday just to make sure everything's on track. If I have questions, I can talk to him about it. Um, but then became winemaker and um, because of the size of the winery, the title of winemaker is very loose in the sense of, you know, I'm basically doing everything. I go out and do sales in the off season and visit markets. I do a lot of the virtual tastings. Um, do I, you know, I'm inside tanks cleaning them, walking the vineyards. So I enjoy it because it's something new every day.
Fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious that you, you've talked about Chad Joseph a, a few times. Um, and one of the things we try to, to dig into here at Wine Women is their mentor experiences, good, bad, was it with a man or a mm -hmm. woman? Yeah. Um, uh, what might have been unusual about that? Because some, some people have had the experience of having the most wonderful mentors mm -hmm. who were open and giving on the planet. And others have really kind of fought tooth and nail to get the kind of information that they need. Yeah. Sounds so far like you've had a really wonderful relationship yeah. with them. Yeah. So he, from the beginning, I mean, he, he has a family and he never wanted to be fully committed to Oak Farm. He didn't, he doesn't want to be here every single day. Um, and he works for a couple other wineries as well. So I kind of came in and he told me day one, you're going to be my assistant, but I'm going to teach you how to run this place. Um, and so he was not afraid to share his secrets. And I don't think any winemaker should be afraid to share their secrets. You know, making wine, it's about the grapes and where they come from and minor, you know, yeast additions and additives. But I could give someone my protocol and I don't think people could replicate it. Um, so he was willing to share everything with me anytime I needed him, call him. Um, I have another mentor that's female and she works at a winery in Lodi called Bokish and she is amazing hands-on wine winemaker you know I'll go see her one day and she's in the tanks cleaning it and scrubbing barrels and moving hoses and buckets and she's been great but it's just you don't get that same connection if you're not working with them every day or every week so Chad is just a fun guy super happy, positive, and we just got along really well. Nice. Yeah. That's fabulous. Well, I think we should drink a, drink a, a sip, a glass, uh, to having such a good experience to launching your career. Yes. Having great mentors um, and people open to, you know, teaching you everything you know. Mm-hmm. So that they could turn over the reins to you. So that's been fantastic. Yeah. And we have your wonderful Oak Farm Vineyards 2019 Rosé to do that with. Yes. So, uh, yeah, Misty is showing off its <laughs> beautiful salmon color here. Um, so, Sierra, tell us about this fantastic wine. Thank you for holding up the, the bottle and all that. And I did get some some social media shots before okay. um, so um, that too. So tell us about the wine. Yes. So this is a, this is one of the wines I wanted to pick to share because when I showed up to Oak Farm and speaking about Chad and Oak Farm in general, they were discussing programs and in, they didn't, they didn't have a rosé in 2017. And I kind of said, what if we make a rosé? I'm this 25 year old girl that all of my friends drink rosé and I'm like, I think it would be a hit here in Lodi. And they were like, we were thinking about it, but we didn't know if we wanted another program. And so they kind of turned towards me and said, if you want to spearhead this program and make it, then it's all yours. So I kind of enjoy the story behind this of, I mean, I had guidance, but this is kind of one of the programs that I brought to Oak Farm. Um, and 
what we wanted to do is make a pure rosé. So this is a Provence style, 100% Grenache rosé. And we make this wine specifically for a rosé. So we're not signeing it and taking wine from a red wine. We're specifically going into the vineyard and picking these grapes at the right sugar level for a rosé. So picking it, this Grenache, we pick it about 21 bricks. 21 and a half and we let it we destem it and crush it and we let it sit in the bins for about 48 hours 36 to 48 hours to get a little bit of that color and then we put it straight into the press and treat it like a white wine and I like it it's very light and delicate and you got some of those perfume aromas with mixed with that tropical and grapefruit characteristic and has a, a little bit of that acidity, which makes it bright on the palate and kind of a smooth mouthfeel. Um, so I think this wine is, you know, you can drink it when it's hot outside, just hanging out by the pool or with a, a seafood salad or something too. It's fabulous. And Thank I you. wanna be sure that our listeners know that not only do we think it's fabulous, but it picked up best of class at the 2020 San Francisco Chronicle Wine Competition, a double gold at the West Coast Wine Competition, and a gold at the 2020 Monterey International Wine Competition. So cheers, Sierra. Cheers. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, cheers from the start of a program. And for our listeners who um, you know can't see this lovely bottle, the packaging is absolutely stunning on this. It you know it matches that. It's sort of that faint pale pink, pinkish color, and it has this beautiful line art of a of an actual rose flower, and it says Oak Hill Vineyard. So it's just gorgeous. And uh, Sierra, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? And since this was sort of your project, yeah. are you involved with that? Yeah. So. We started doing screen print in 2017 as well um, when I got there and we used Bergen for all of our screen print and we weren't really sure what we wanted to do, but we obviously wanted our rosé to be different than most of our other bottles uh, that have. So most of our bottles have a tree on them and because we're Oak Farm, we have about 12, 400 plus year old oak trees on our property. And so there was an artist that came out and drew one of the trees and the rep and his drawing is on all of our bottles but we wanted to do something different and fun kind of for a different crowd and we decided on this we had a couple of designs but dan and i and his wife kind of looked through them and picked that and we actually changed it a little bit it used to not have the white but it's so hard to read on a shelf if it's at a wine shop or something right. so we put in 2018 we put white behind it is it the same artist who did this illustration uh yes same artist i i was gonna say because uh, to me it's be it beautifully incorporates the brand from yeah. a visual it's a big thing from all of us from you know on the other side on the marketing point of view yeah the style of the curves and the drawing and the line art um, yeah. still matches, you know, the oak tree yeah. illustration. Well, and that's what's fun about my job is I get to be in all of these discussions and I get to learn how to market. I get to learn how to do PR, um, run the Instagram and things like that because we are a small winery. And so it's always fun to see people's feedbacks 
and do these virtuals and hear what people are saying because we can always tweak them every year. Yeah. And the Lodi, uh, the Lodi Wine Growers Association, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I find that, you know, that organization is just so fascinating. We all, you know, Napa, Sonoma, we all have our, our green certification programs now, but I know that Lodi was one of the, the leaders yeah. in the yes. space for the programming. So can you tell yes. us about that? And your, and your bottles carry it. So you definitely yeah. are. So every single bottle of ours, it's about, um, it's like, one third of all the vineyards in Lodi are certified green, but everything that we make, even if we buy some fruit from other growers, we make sure it's certified green. Um, so it's a little logo on all of our bottles and it's Lodi rules green certification. Um, and it's third party audited founded about 15 years ago. And it's not organic, not biodynamic, but it's, sustainable so leaving the earth and the people and the animals better off than how they were before so it's a list of about 150 different things that you have to do in your vineyard anywhere from how much you guys how much we pay the workers to having owl houses on our property irrigation systems um using cover crop so we're still and people get confused but we're still spraying pesticides and herbicides but more of a mild form and we're doing things that won't you know we're not putting animal bait out or anything that will harm people or animals in the process um and still spraying so too but it's just something that will help for generations to be to come to be able to use this land Sarah, are you, are you guys doing any sort of regenerative farming that um, seems to be such a topic of conversation in the wine industry these days? Um, not really. Can you re like rephrase that? What is that? Yeah, it's basically like tilling the soil so oh, that okay. you're releasing um, more, um, I guess it is it carbon dioxide into the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. So we've, it's just been a buzzword. I keep hearing. Um, yeah, no, we've been, so we till, and I think almost every wine or vineyard in Lodi tills, but we till like every other row every year. So every row is going to get tilled every two years just yeah. to make sure that we're turning that soil and like what you were talking about. Um, and then we add cover crop to the other rows. So the ones we don't till we add cover crop and that's, adding back good nutrients into the soil just so we don't have to add nitrogen in a um, like a powder form or anything from bags we're trying to get the nutrients back into the soil as natural as possible yeah and i think that's what every farmer is doing currently or trying to do yeah, and, and I, I'd like to, um, you know, point out to listeners that, you know, these green standards, they're really easy to find, like on the back of, of labels, mm -hmm. and they really, you know, re-emphasize that commitment that that vineyard and that winery has for the environment, because as Sierra pointed out, I love that um, you mentioned that they're a third-party audited, so it's, it's not something that's just sort of self-proclaimed. It is something that's one of the most rigorous and comprehensive certification processes. Yeah. Um, I know in Napa, like we have a rigorous recertification. I think Sonoma has a similar uh -huh. program. 
So it's, um, it's definitely something that enables you as a winery to continue to raise the bar on your sustainable practices. And I don't know, um, Sierra, yeah. if, that, if you've had that effect or if it's, you know, impacted your winemaking. No, um, it's a lot of paperwork. So a lot of farmers are like, you know, I don't really, is it worth it? It's a lot of paperwork to go through. We probably are green certified, but I have seen that consumers love to see a certification on wines. And also me in general, it's like, I'm, I want a family and I want the earth to continue to strive. And so doing things that will help it, like I'm all for, uh, and for us at here at Oak farm, we're, we're everything that we were buying in the past and buy now as far as fruit has been green certified uh, and the and the farmers that we work with do it so for us it's been pretty easy most of the vineyards here are Sierra, i'm curious specifically on this grenache in the rose day mm -hmm. from silva spoons vineyards yes. um uh, do you know how old it is um, and I know you mentioned that it's pretty much practically head trained. It's, you know, it is on a, a quadrilateral system. Um, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how that affects what we get in the bottle? Yes. So it's about 20 years old, these vines. And it's, it's, when you walk the vineyard, it's a beautiful vineyard. And when you walk it, I don't think people would know what to call the trellis system because it's head it's head trained but then there's some that have cordons that go out um and then quadrilateral so it's it's a little interesting and i think because it was planted years ago there's it's not as formal every row being the same mm -hmm. um but grenache is one of those varieties that it's hard to sample and I, and especially this one. Um, so this is the Portuguese clone. Ron Silva, who is the vineyard manager, he is Portuguese and I'm 50%. So I like that too. Um, but he grows all Portuguese varieties. And this one is, it doesn't get that much color. Some Grenache um, and different clones, like the French clone, it gets a little more red in the skin. This one has gr on the same cluster it'll have green berries super dark berries and pinker berries and so it's very hard to sample uh, i'll go out and sample it and then bring it back to the lab and get the bricks and you know it might not be exactly the same as when you bring it in because you're trying to sample it randomly but your eye always wants to pick the the best looking clusters and the best looking berries um so that's kind of a challenge on this but it's very light Grenache style. So what you're tasting in the, the berries when you're trying them, kind of that light skin, more of those tropical fruits is what you're tasting in the wine. It's not, and we don't get it ripe enough to be jammy at all either, um, but it's definitely the flavor. A lot of strawberry. Yeah. You know, which is classic, classic to Grenache. Yeah. So I just thought it was very interesting when I read that you had this kind of a quadrilateral trellising because Grenache is well known for um, getting very leggy. It just, it kind of wants to take off. So yeah. from a farming point of view, 
Um, you've got a great, you know, vineyard manager there to take care of that. But it, it's interesting because it does. It just wants to grow at great speed. And I think having it be quadrilateral helps to, you know, there's a little bit more clusters and it kind of helps to mm-hmm. get the nutrients into the clusters and not to the uh, cordons and the canes and the leaves, you know, so that's trying to not keep the vigor lower. So I, I was super excited to hear that we were going to be tra- tasting the rosé of Grenache because here in Napa and Sonoma, you always find rosé with Pinot Noir. Yeah. And Grenache has been my favorite sort of go-to for the past year or so. I've been very into it, mainly because it's so diverse in styles. You can get a really sort of easy drinking floral style Pinot, or you can get like that really rich and luscious, like deep inky mm-hmm. Syrah style. So when I taste this, it's, it's definitely like you've got that crisp kind of character. You've got that great acidity. It's really bright. And I, mm-hmm. I appreciate that. It's got a lot of weight on it, but like it, it's meaty, but it's like yeah. very easy drinking and light as well. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and that's, what's fun about here is we make two rosés. So um, last year we made another one for the first time we do a Italian rosé. So it's Barbera and Sangiovese. Oh, wow. um, but tasting the difference, the Grenache is always that very light, bright style where Barbera and Sangio are that heavier jammy, you know, like you were saying more Syrah yeah. style. So you get a little bit more, less of the strawberry tropical fruits and more of the like darker cherry blackberry characteristics in the rosé. Well, I'll have to come back and try the other one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah, definitely. It keeps you, you know, that the acidity and that brightness that you yeah. talk about, it keeps you, you know, coming back for that second yeah. sip and that third sip. It's just fantastic. It's very um, thirst quenching and it's something that you really want on a hot day. And, you know, I'm envisioning this with like a fantastic shrimp salad and yeah. just yeah. be in heaven yeah. on the patio. What's the price point on this? And can we find it on oakfarmvineyards.com and retail? Yes. Um, So this one, so we have distribution wines as well as wines that we only serve in the tasting room. But this one you can find out in retail. We're in about 25 different states and then a couple other countries. Um, So you can find it at grocery stores and wine bars in those 20 states um, and a lot in California. But also all of our wines are on our website, oakfarmvineyards.com. And this is 28. So very reasonable compared yeah. to the Napa Sonoma prices. Mm-hmm. And for, for listeners, we this is the Silva Spoons Vineyard Rosé. Silver Spoons, yeah. yes. And the other one is called the Estate Rosé because that's from our property. Right. Well, it's lovely. And you can tell Thank from you. its really bright acidity that... Um, you know, you can age it a bit if you wanted to, but most people like to dig in and enjoy this right away. I can certainly see this with um, your entire Thanksgiving meal. I mean, really, every dish from kicking back, uh, watching uh, pre-game and game action before the sit-down meal, uh, you can do that with hors d'oeuvres and whatever else you're serving there all the way through to your pumpkin pie at the end, so... Quite delicious. Sierra, should, should we move on to the other end of the spectrum here? Yes. All right. So we have the Oak Farm Vineyards 2018 Zinfandel. 
from block 417, the Moore Fry Ranches. Yes. Uh, a vineyard there. Um, yes. So a lot to tell our story on, and and I'm gonna pour while you tell the story, Sierra. Yes. So, as you guys probably know, Lodi kind of came on the map because of Zinfandel, and people know Lodi as the Zinfandel capital of the world. Um, and so I wanted you guys to taste this one because this is my favorite Zinfandel that we make here at Oak Farm. Um, so it comes from, there's seven different viticulture areas, AVAs, um, like sub-AVAs here in Lodi. And this is from the same sub-AVA as Oak Farm. It's McCollamy River sub-AVA, which is a sandy loam soil. So less clay than if you go more east in Lodi. And these grapes are farmed from more fry, the Moore Fry family. And they are sixth generation farmers here in Lodi. And they have uh, about 100,000 acres in Lodi. And they are the best family to work with. Very, uh, very easy to communicate with and just know how to farm because they've been doing it for so long. Um, so these grapes, they have a bunch of different blocks. This block is about six acres and it's the vi vines that were planted in 1945. So old vines in. And to me, the reason why I like this kind of putting all of those facts together is it makes a very earthy light Zinfandel. A lot of the Zins that you get here in Lodi and kind of the reputation that I've seen is something that's very jammy, picked at 29 bricks and has a lot of oak on it. Well, this one, I pick it at 25 and a half bricks, try and catch those floral and lighter fruit characteristics. Um, so I get some of those, you know, strawberry, maybe a little bit of that brighter cherry, not overcooked cherry. Um, and then maybe some jasmine and floral notes as well. Um, and it's just a very natural zen that we make. Um, we usually do it with native yeast. Um, this year, in 2018, I added yeast to the wine. Um, it just depends on the year, depends on how harvest is going, depends on how the grapes look. In 2020, we, this past year, I just put it into barrel, but we did it native. Um, so it's just, it's kind of a zen that I think tells Lodi's story and kind of has people be able to taste the terroir of Lodi and what zen should be like. Sierra, I also noted that, noticed that this was um, a historical certified vineyard. So our, Marsha and I were, I mean, we enlightened ourselves about mm -hmm. the historical vineyard society earlier this year or last year, geez, time is flying by, yeah. but um, we were just amazed and astounded by like just the looks and the fruit and the intense concentration of these yeah. historic old vines. Yeah. Um, so these vines and I just wish, I wish people could be with me every day to see what yeah. vineyards I get to walk through. This one, the vines are very low to the ground very big trunks. Um, I mean, they were 1945, so they're very old and yeah. um, they're head trained. So they have canes going out all over kind of like a goblet, but 
they there's a way to farm these i mean everything and we do everything handpicked no matter what anyways but everything is handpicked and you want to make sure to thin the fruit um so cut some of the clusters off so that the fruit that's hanging gets that nutrient the vines are old so they're gonna have a little harder time taking up water taking up nutrients and so being able to thin the fruit down which is what the fries do for us and uh, get them to ripen fully on the vine is kind of the key to Zinfandel um, especially because kind of like Grenache in a way you can have very uneven clusters you can have raisins on a cluster with you know some pink berries so getting everything to be uniformal in on the on the um, vines is key and being able to drop fruit onto the ground and have a crew go through and pull leaves is essential. Yeah, I also um, saw where this block 417 was the mm -hmm. first vineyard in Lodi to be Lodi Rolls certified as well, yes. kind of going back to that sustainability um, story. Yeah, and it was that whole, I think they have, so on their home ranch, they have 10 or 15 different, like different varieties, and this is one of them. So that whole area was certified green at the same time. Oh, that's great. Wow. Yeah, they were, uh, they were, they were um, grower of the year, Bruce Fry and his dad. And I think it was 2005, they were named grower of the year. And um, they are just, I, whenever we need fruit from someone, I call Bruce up and I'm like, we need some cab. Do you have any good cab or we need this? So he's just a great guy to work with. He seems like a wealth of information being a sixth generation low-dive yeah. farmer. Mm -hmm. yeah. And one of the things that Misty and I got a really good sense of during the Historical Vineyard Society interviews that we did, as well as the, um, the, the ZAP, the Zinfandel mm -hmm. organization yes. interviews, it was every, everybody who grows and produces in Lodi um, first of all, they all seem to know each other really well, mm -hmm. and they're super supportive of one another. Um, yeah. We just really appreciate because we know in the current world and the current mm -hmm. business climate that not everybody is like that. And yeah. one of the things that I think attracts all of us to the wine industry is there's a sense of a kinder, gentler nation. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's part of the reason that I got attracted to Lodi as well is I was this 22 year old little girl that, you know, was going into Oak Farm to be their, their intern. And, you know, their people are coming up to me, Hey, you want to go get beers after work? And it's, you know, the wine, it's, 10 winemakers and me and I'm just sitting there and taking it all in listening to what they're talking about um you know some some is serious some is not and everyone is like we were talking about earlier they're there's they share their secrets most most of them um and they're kind of all rooting we're all kind of rooting for each other I'm rooting for Lodi in general I hope that wineries are making the best wine that they can possibly make here because that's what we're trying to do here at Oak Farm. Um, and so it's just a cool little community and it's fun for people to experience it. 
Yeah, the Sensei community is really fantastic. And I've just got to say, you know, how fantastic it is for you to be, have been named head winemaker at Oak, Oak Farm, you know, at, as you mentioned, at, at such an early point in your career. So I am excited to see sort of what's to come. And Marsha and I, you know, always ask people if, if they look back on their younger self, you know, what would they tell their younger self? Um, so, I mean, maybe for you, we can ask you as you look ahead into the future, you know, what's in store for Sierra? Mm, it's a tough question. Um, people always ask me that. I love being here. I like Lodi, but, um, I don't know. I, I want a family. Um, I want to raise kids and I want to continue to make wine. I love to cook. I love to educate people on wine. So I don't know if you can, you know, blend that all together and we'll see. I mean, I just want to educate people on Lodi and on wine and have people enjoy what I'm making. So we'll see. I want to keep moving up. I want to keep learning um, and I want to explore, I love to travel too. So I want to explore the world and the wines out there. So I don't know. Yeah. There's, that, well, that sounds, <laughs> a tough sounds question. well, that sounds fantastic and sounds so much fun. And yeah. you also, you also mentioned, um, uh, you know, that you want sort of the world to see what you're doing every single day. And I think yeah. that, you know, you, I've already looked at sort of your Instagram pages and I feel like you've brought <laughs> some of that because, you know, as a winery in Napa, you know, that, you know, Instagram, I wasn't brought up, you know, I, I unfortunately brought up, you know, on word processors and yeah. typewriters yeah. and, you know, long before the computer was a thing and long before the iPhone. So yeah. I find great inspiration in your um, energy that's conveyed mm -hmm. across Thank your you. social channels. So I think that that's Thanks. enlightening for those of us that are industry veterans. And I yeah. think we've got a lot to learn from that. Yeah. And I like always tell younger people that if you, if anyone ever wants to shadow me, I'm always open to have people shadow me, see what a winemaking job looks like, see what a female winemaking job looks like. Um, and that you can do your dream, you know, nothing's impossible and, you know, go after what you want is kind of what I always tell people. Good for you. Advice. You can't, you, you know, and one of the things that stood out to me in your introduction, Sierra, when you talked to us was having a sense from a very early age, from your early teenage mm -hmm. years, that you wanted to be a winemaker, even though you hadn't really tasted much wine until yeah. that point. And and, and how wonderful that you had parents who were like, well, if you're going to go away to college for that, you should probably, you know, dip your toe in the water yeah. by doing an internship. And most of the winemakers we talk with did not have those same gut instincts at a young yeah. age, at that young an age. Mm -hmm. And so it impressed upon me that you have a very strong um gut instinct you know you have a very strong you, and you and and it's not that other people don't but you actually listen to yours and you vocalize mm -hmm. it to your family yeah and your mentors which obviously made a huge difference yeah for you. yeah 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 
So that that's very impressive. I, I want to ask on the flip side, after your formal education at Cal Poly uh, and, and, and your mentorship um, with uh, uh, Mr. Joseph, what, what do you want to look back even in these short number of years going, wow, I wish, you know, I wish I'd learned a little bit more about this ahead of time, or I guess what I'm getting at is what do you what do you find are some of the hardest parts of being the head winemaker? Um, so I would say, so first off, what I don't want to look back and say I wish I would have done more is um, be able to travel and be able to either do a harvest abroad or um, just go to wine regions and taste wines and things like that. Like don't, you know, don't get caught up in work too much uh, and not take vacation either kind of thing. Um, because I like to be here and I like to make sure all the wines are good. And so kind of, um, I want to be able to go other places and explore and learn about every variety. Um, but kind of the hardest part of being the winemaker Oak Farm is managing people. I don't think I ever had a class or a person teach me how to manage other people, how to deal with drama, how to deal with um, just all of that. I think winemaking is easy. You know, you, you have some grapes, you get, you have some numbers, you calc, you know, you use a calculator, you run some lab tests, you make the wine, but dealing with um, scheduling the day-to-day -day process out. So there's four of us that are in production here at Oak Farm. And I'm pretty much in charge of making sure that the other three people have things to do all day. And so getting all of the winemaking tasks done. And so scheduling out their day and having time to do the things that I need to do. Um, and also trusting other people to do what they say they're going to do. Um, and, you know, if they have problems with each other, how to, how to fire someone or how to have a serious conversation with someone, even if they're older than me or they think they know more than me, you know? So those are kind of what I've been getting better at and what I've been working on this year, kind of. Um, those, those are those are the classic things I, I personally feel are still difficult communication mm -hmm. skills and being able to read people and yeah. trust them and, and give them the information they need to do their jobs. Yeah. Always and make sure I'm, I want to make sure everyone is, you know, enjoy having a fun work environment, enjoying their day. Um, just because if you're not having fun at work, then you're not going to do a good job. They always say like, happy yeast is a happy wine. You gotta be, you know. So when you're having fun at work, you're enjoying it, you're gonna make a better wine. And I, I truly believe that. So that's kind of probably the hardest thing that I have to deal with. And those, those challenges, just so you know, I'm sure Marlo and Marsha can attest to that, but they never, they will never go away. I know, I know. <laughs> they, they still exist. You get a little bit more accustomed and used to, and you'll, you know, develop a style and a way, you know, to performance manage and yeah. 
to achieve the results and having those difficult conversations, but it never goes away. We're always growing. We're always learning. And, um, you know, I think if I could look back on my younger self, I would have told myself to have more empathy at a younger age and to slow down at a younger age, to Mm -hmm. listen a little bit more. Whereas, you know, I was so ambitious and like you in my twenties started a a career managing a crew in the telephone industry and, you know, managing union employees. So it was, you know, definitely that that's what I would have told myself. So, but you'll, it's great. And I love managing people and I'm sure Marlo and Marsha, you love it as well, or I don't know, but, um, (laughs) It's, it is a great, we are in a people business, so it's a lot of fun on all fronts. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely a, um, a different sort of skill set learned, you know, I mean, you, we're all still learning. Um, I would say one of the most challenging things is delegating, you mm-hmm. know, you've got your projects and like to Sierra's point, it's hard to like trust people to like get it done mm-hmm. the way you want to get it done. And I'm sure you feel that with your Rosé project, like you started yeah. it, your baby, like And here you are like third vintage working on the fourth. And it's like, oh my gosh, I don't want to give it away to somebody. Or you might like inoculating a tank or adding yeast to a tank. That's probably the most important job. If you have a bad fermentation, it's hard to come back from that. So I usually do most of the inoculations, but sometimes on a crazy day, I give it to our assistant winemaker and I'm just like in the back of my head, I'm like, I hope she's doing it right. And it's like, I know she is. And I, it's just, you it's hard to trust that everyone's going to do it right. Because at the end of the day, if something goes wrong, it's, it's my responsibility to fix it. And it's also that mastery of communication that we all struggle with, you know, making sure that you're communicating effectively. And, you know, and when you're not like taking ownership of that, I think Mm -hmm. is huge because, you know, oftentimes like I thought I had mentioned this and then or I had intended to mention that yeah. to someone and that would have helped them to do their job better. And then when we fell short, it's like, oh, geez, I'm sorry. I didn't communicate mm-hmm. that correctly. Now let's move forward. Yeah. Yeah, I have to say that some of what Sierra just mentioned reminded me, Misty, of our interview with Brene Royal. I don't know, Sierra, if you know Brene, but mm-hmm. Brene was appointed vineyard manager for Monte Rosso, the Monte Rosso vineyard in Sonoma, which is a huge historic vineyard at 25 years of age. Wow. And she was overseeing crews that had worked the the vineyard. And I think the vineyard is, you know, 350 or more acres. They, They had been overseeing it for more than 30 years. And she was coming on as a woman at 25 in charge of the whole thing. And then on top of that, as she mentioned, um, many of her vineyard crew were Spanish only speaking. Mm-hmm. So she had that language barrier on top of just basic communication to deal with. And she too talked about, um, it, wasn't, it wasn't the mechanical things of knowing the right things for the vineyard, it was her listening skills. Mm-hmm and an ability to communicate and respect the history that they had and and her timing of the messages that she would get these little nuances yeah no it's exactly the same yeah and and kind of going towards the wine women topic is I've been very lucky here at Oak Farm in the sense that 
I um, was, when I started, I was the only female on the production side and I got along with everyone great, but I think it's because of the way I approach, um, you know, joining a team of all men. It's, I'm not afraid to, um, people always ask me what I do and it's like, I'm not afraid to move three inch hoses from one end of the winer to the other, carry heavy buckets, lift the barrels onto their racks. Um, and so when I showed up in the first week I was doing this, I think everyone, like the boss included Dan, everyone kind of looked at me and was like, okay, she's in it for the long run. She's in it to help and be a hard worker and not really gonna, you know, stand back and say something's too heavy kind of thing. Um, and so I always tell people, you know, if you're a hard worker and you enjoy what you're doing and you have a good attitude, I think people most of the time will respect that. And so I kind of, I mean, and I got lucky too. I've never had um, any bad um, vibes towards me for being the only female in uh, the work environment. That's good to hear. Yeah. I mean, for, you know, for Misty and I, and I don't know, Marlo, how much you've dealt with this. It's great when you hear somebody who has not had to deal with gender specific negativity mm -hmm. um, that throw, you know, that throws you off your game. So I'm really glad to hear that, that that's been your experience so far. Um, we're almost running out of time, so I want to make sure I've, I've been really enjoying, I've finished off my glasses here, <laughs> of these beautiful wines, the Oak Farm Vineyards 2019 Rosé, which is a rosé of Grenache, and the Oak Farm Vineyards 2018 Zinfandel from Block 417. Um, all of this coming from the fantastic Lodi area. The region has an enormous number of historic vineyards in large part because these sandy, loamy soils was able to fight off and, and keep Phloxera uh, and other pests and diseases out. So they've got far more historic vineyards and that means they're producing some really special concentrated wines that everybody should be enjoying more and more of. So what do you want our listeners to know before we have to go, Sierra? Um, just that Lodi is a region that is producing very true to variety wines. And Oak Farm is one of the beautiful wineries here in Lodi. And if you ever have a chance, just stop by even if it's for 20 minutes stop by and have a glass and um just hang out with me pretty cool love yeah. the invitation that's pretty yeah. fantastic uh marlo over to you for a second what message do you want to leave our listeners with wow well i think you know anytime you can find an opportunity to surround yourself with women and wine take it absolutely um it sounds like sierra's had a great um great experience in her career. I've had a great experience in my career. I've had lots of women and female bosses um, and mentors along the way. So I, I hope that I'm, you know, able to be a, a mentor um, to other people. So yeah, just keep taking those chances and seeking those opportunities. Yeah. Fabulous. And Marlo, I just want to say thank you for jumping in as a co-host at the very last moment. It's really appreciated. 
Well, thank um, you for having me. This was really fun. Oh, so glad you've enjoyed it, Marlo. My That's pleasure. the whole point. Because nobody, you know, we're not having fun. Nobody <laughs> listening is going to have fun. It's, more, it's hard not to have fun when you're drinking great wine. Yeah. The, the yeah. key for us is going to be, and I do have one thing I want to send back to Sierra real quickly, which is um, we talked about um, Napa County having some of its regulations lifted in terms of whether mm -hmm. or not um, say Supery could accept visitors and yes. now they can. And I've certainly seen that San Francisco also had some regulations lifted that they can go to 50% indoor capacity. It's a good thing. And I think even Sonoma County has seen some of its restrictions listed. So it's a good sign that COVID is, is mm -hmm losing a foothold i hope yeah. in our county um sierra are you seeing guests in person um on the patio out on the deck um, yeah. and folks make uh appointments with you is that right yeah so we do appointment only currently um and we have a large patio area so people only enter into the tasting room to buy a bottle or a glass um, and then they go outside and they have, they sit on the patio and drink wine. Um, we cannot have anyone in the winery and we can only do tastings if they're pre-poured kind of like St. Supery. Right. Um, so we're just not going to go back to tastings yet, but we can hold about 200 people here a day, uh, on our patio. So that's what we've been sticking to. Very cool. Good to hear. And again, for our listeners, that's oakfarmvineyards.com. Um, we'll be sure to put that in the show notes so that people can just um, go there really easily if they are looking online at our show notes and want to link out to it. Uh, Misty, any final parting words before we go? Just an invigorating afternoon. Thank you, ladies. And it was fun catching um, Sierra so early in her career. So we feel honored to have um, had this pleasure of meeting you today and spending time with you. So thank you. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. It's, it's been, been fun. Great. Thank you. Thank Marlo. And thank, yeah, thank you, Marlo. Listeners. Thank you, everybody. Been great having you on the show. Tune in next week. <laughs> <laughs>